With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. If you are going to get into a fight and you have the chance to prepare for it, you're probably going to do all you can to get into the best shape and work out the best strategy to win. But things obviously don't always go according to plan. What was it Tyson said? Everyone has a plan to get punched in the face. Well, the best in the world have also proven that just because something isn't working, it doesn't mean you can't change tactics and still find a way to win the fight. The bigger the comeback, the greater the achievement. And today we're going to take a look at three classic examples when some of the best fighters in the world had to change their strategy mid-fight. All right, everyone, before we get on with the video today, and if you are watching this late at night and you can't get to sleep, I may just have something for you. Over the last few weeks, we've been trying magnesium breakthrough from Bioptimizers. And honestly, it's a bit of a game changer when it comes to your sleep routine. I honestly had no idea about how important magnesium could be in actually helping you get to sleep. And what's great about this is it has seven different types of magnesium in just one bottle. It's safe for everybody, whether you're vegan or gluten-free or have a soy allergy. If you want something to try and help improve your sleep, it's as simple as taking two capsules 30 minutes before you go to bed. And if you're feeling just a bit stressed and need some relaxation, you can take them in the morning as well, just one or two when you wake up on an empty stomach. I know it doesn't sound possible, but I personally have been feeling more calm, more chill, and have way more energy after getting some deeper sleep. To start your journey of better sleep, head to magbreakthrough.com slash MMA on point for 10% off using the exclusive code MMA10. If you're having difficulty getting to sleep, might be something you want to give a try, but you can check them out, Magnesium Breakthrough. I'm Bailey and for MMA on point, shout out to all of you Hall of Famers out there. Thank you so much for always supporting the channel and all our content. And this is when legendary fighters came back from defeat. So the first fight we're going to take a look at today is George St. Pierre versus BJ Penn. The very first time that they fought. Going into the first fight, George was supposed to have the advantage on the feet. And BJ is obviously this incredible black belt. So no one really thought George would grapple him to take him down. But let's see how the fight actually played out. So right from the get-go, you'll see BJ is coming forward, putting the pace on George keeping it high and starting with lots and lots of pressure. He's trying to cover distance with long combinations like that lead hook. But really what BJ starts to get away with, the opening moments is his head movement. So as George's jab comes in, BJ slipping to the outside and landing his own jab. Now we know GSP's got a great jab, but over and over again, BJ is able to slip to the outside and crack George with his own jab. And very quickly, this starts to become a problem for George. Someone who relies on his jab a lot, every time he initiated, BJ's head movement was on point and he was just cracking him up the middle, uppercut that time as well. And it's all off this lovely head movement as he's slipping to the outside. We'll see another one here, lovely jab, slip to the outside, bam, right down the middle right on the nose there for George. And even when they're exchanging these jabs, which happens sometimes, BJ's always getting the better of it. It's a beautiful shot there. Tries to follow up with a fluster of combinations. So George, someone who was used to initiating starting combinations off with his jab, is dealing with BJ now, who's able to make those reads and those reactions and give him a ton of problems. A minute into this fight, 
George's basic game plan is already going awry. So George, getting a bit frustrated here, getting tagged all over the place, already bloody and bleeding, you know, about 90 seconds into this fight, just from those hard jabs of BJ. So George tries to mix it up, tries to go with the takedowns. Now BJ has notoriously good takedown defense, attacking a single leg, tries to turn away from the fence. BJ with the balance, brings the back foot out and then just hops his way back towards the cage, making this single leg really difficult for George. He gets an underhook back, and he's able to break from the fence. And that's really the story of the first round. GSP getting countered by BJ consistently, the head movement on point, the takedowns not even working, and you know, it's not looking good for George after the first round. Okay, so moving into round two, George already starts to make some adjustments. As BJ jabs, George is now the one countering. He's not going first. He's waiting and trying to capitalize on these opportunities from BJ, these blitzes, he's now starting to land his own jab in between these combinations. Here when they're trading jabs, George is now the one slipping his head to the outside and cracking him. Again here, gets the better of the exchanges, lands on BJ. So he's finding the timing on BJ's jab here. And he's not always going first. Then again, when the takedown attempts come, he's trying to lock on this single. BJ's doing a good job of balancing. He tries to pull him even further away from the cage here. And BJ again with a balance gets a base out and he's going to be able to bring this leg backwards to stop this takedown. Now George is gonna try and grab this thigh to chase through on the double leg. Can't quite make it because of the dexterity in the legs of BJ, but what does he do? He abandons the single legs and starts attacking double legs instead. And it's the adjustment to the double leg that lets him eventually get these takedowns. If you go back and watch any of BJ's fights, any single leg attempt, he's great at defending. He's always on one leg, just hopping, controlling his balance. He's able to lift his leg really high when it gets extended. But George switches the double and he starts to get these takedowns. Also something that people thought he wasn't going to do. He wasn't going to go to ground with a BJJ black belt like BJ. Hooks the back leg, hips switch really quickly, but George is able to adjust, track the hips of BJ and shut down any of the offense from the bottom as well. And he starts to wear on him, starts to beat him up in the clinch, hold him against the fence where he can pin BJ, negate the head movement, work the body with the knees and start to drain that gas tank. So the second round ends. George has now been able to clinch him up, lock him down and go straight for the double leg this time and just pulls him straight off the cage. So third round, one round apiece right now, back to the same game plan, trying to beat the jab of BJ. This time waits with to come, counters with his own jab, who's still trying to move forward with this pressure, but George has kind of figured out a way to navigate this style, to eliminate the, the, the movement of BJ, the head movement. Drops down for this single leg. What does he do here? Brings his right knee down to the mat, just square his hips up into him, turns to face, gets the hands together, and can now change into another double leg takedown, which is going to complete. So BJ came out with the superior boxing, something that we didn't think was going to happen. But as soon as George stopped trying to go first, sat back a little, waiting for BJ, started to pick him apart with the counters, and then also transitioned into the grappling, took away the single leg defense, which BJ is great at, hit the double legs, got top position, shut down the jiu-jitsu, and basically managed to find a way to win the fight. Fight number two, we're going to take a look at another great mid-fight adjustment at the championship level. This was when Henry Cejudo fought Marlon Moraes. This was right when Henry was trying to become Triple C, win that vacant bantamweight title. And the first round did not go well for Henry at all. Bouncing long and loose on the outside. But this was the problem early on with Marlon. He wanted to create space for himself. He wanted to bounce in this neutral range so he can do what they should do against kicks, either be all the way in or all the way out. Now, Henry tries to stay all the way out. But the problem is he's given Marlon all this space. And Marlon is a fantastic kicker. And all that happened early was Marlon just waited on the outside and just picked him apart with leg kicks. He set up long strikes. And if it's not a kick, it's these forward moving hooks. 
He's also got to be careful of this look down switch kick to the head that Marlon knocked out Jimmy with, caught Aljo with as well. So although Henry wanted to bounce around on the outside and use this karate style, anytime he also tried to blitz in, Marlon just stayed in his stance and just unloaded combinations. So he couldn't sit on the outside, he couldn't blitz in, and all that happened is he was just trying to look for the openings. Marlon was giving him none and was just blasting away with these leg kicks. And at the end of the first round, he's just got completely battered, doesn't really land anything significant on Marlon, and he's just staying on the outside and giving him all that space. And this kind of stays the same for some of this second round as well. Henry's just getting his legs chopped out from underneath him. He's not trying to stand and counter and check those inside leg kicks. He's just trying to bounce and stay away, and he's just getting chopped down. But this is the shot that really changes the fight right here. A nice step in straight right hand, and Henry knows he's hurt him and really starts to pull the pressure on right here. He doesn't exit the pocket. He starts to move forward after all these exchanges. He's not stepping backwards. He's moving forward now. When these kicks come, it's easier for Henry to level change underneath, and he does nothing but put the pressure on Marlon. And Marlon, obviously, his gas tank starts to wear. He's taking these right hands. Knee comes down, the hands come down, right hand over the top there for Henry, another straight right just staying in the pocket inside of him, completely changing up his offense. And there as well, you see him grab that Muay Thai clinch and he can wrap that neck and keep him here because this is another great adjustment for Henry. He starts to let these knees go from this full tie plot. And you can tell Marlon's starting to slow down from all this pressure. Obviously, he's been swinging big early, but it's a completely different Henry Cejudo at the halfway point of this round. And this flurry of knees he lands is just non-stop. And Marlon cannot break from these positions. And this is a completely different guy who was bouncing around karate to now wading forward Vandalay Silver style and drilling knees. And we're now in this third round. Marlon's doing these Hail Mary desperation shots, but Henry's still working this clinch whenever they're close, not letting those combinations go. And the second he gets him against the fence, he just starts to work his ground game, drags him down right here, tries to roll into this lovely anaconda, doesn't get it. But once this fight hit the mat at this point, it was basically over. Henry eventually takes top position, more knees to the body, and he keeps him here with his weight pushed into him for a good 20, 30 seconds, just holding him against the fence. Marlin is completely suffocated here. This is not a good position to be in. He can't build a base. He's flat on his bum. He's being crushed down and he ends up stretched out on the back and it's just ground and pound from here that eventually wins him the fight and gets him the TKO. So Henry wanted to come out using that karate style, bouncing on the outside, trying to stay outside of kicking range and then time the blitzes around the kicks. But what really happened was Marlin was too good at staying in his stance so anytime those blitzes came in, he had the combinations to answer. So Henry had to switch it up completely. There's that one straight that cracked him. And after that, he just went and went and went. Didn't let up on the pressure. Started grabbing that tie clinch. It was a great performance. So the third and final fight we're going to take a look at was Daniel Cormier versus Stipe Miocic 2. Daniel obviously has the confidence of knocking him out in the first matchup. Daniel wanted to keep it close, crowd the space, land those shots over the top. And Stipe just kind of got dragged into Cormier's fight. But he obviously made a crucial adjustment, which most of you will know about. So let's see how that came about and why it worked for him. It's no secret what DC wants to do. He started to mix things up first. You know, he's quite a tricky guy. A level change there to fake the takedown into the overhands as well here. Just a nice right hand. And something you'll notice about DC in this fight, he's got really good head movement. And that kind of baited Stipe into throwing. And he's also very good at doing the Sean Strickland at putting his hands out and intercepting the incoming traffic with these parries. He also, of course, in this first round, landed a few big shots, got this high crotch that he turns into his signature Daniel Cormier takedown. I mean, Stipe, he looks like he's going to defend it, but there's no defending that apparently from DC. Gets him in perfect position, waits for maybe a little bit longer than you would think, but a slight adjustment here 
and then he completes his takedown and that's basically it for the first round dc lands a couple of shots over the top gets the takedown and then just holds him down and that's the first round dc easy so again good head movement from daniel you think he's there to be hit but he loves to grab here in this fight with his hands and once stipe engages then he lets his hands go and fires these shots over the top and he does this over and over again grabs the hands we're in close enough to strike and then he can fire shots over the top lovely left hand there and again we see this halfway through the round lovely one two again from daniel and it all starts with him getting close enough to grab to keep stipe in place beautiful right hand i mean that could have put stipe town right there dan's hands are by his side okay cool i hit him no problem but they come up he can wrap and then fire i mean stipe is fighting this close he's fighting in daniel's range Stipe wants to be a little bit more on the outside at the end of these straight shots. But Daniel's been able to bait him into this kind of close range fight where these short shots from Dan really work. And this is at the end of the third round. DC is just absolutely having his way with Stipe right here. He's landing everything he's throwing. He's standing toe to toe with him. At the end of that third round, it looked really bad for Stipe. It looked like he might go down at any moment. But this fourth round is where it all turns around. So DC's grabbing hands. And what does Stipe do? Well, the body is open. If we're going to keep touching like here, that body shot is right there. And as soon as Stipe lands it once, he realizes it's kind of been there the whole fight. If the guy's moving his head, you attack the body. And that's exactly what Stipe starts to do. And every time Daniel goes to initiate this offense, put his hands out here, he leaves that body open and Stipe does not relent. There's another body shot inside leg kick this time to set it up. Again, Daniel trying to grab up top and Stipe just rolls to the body. Same thing again here, Daniel trying to grab. No way he's going to defend his body if his hands are out here. He can still move his head. Like I said, Sean Strickland style. But again, nice double up on the attack there from Stipe. Goes to the head there, then comes down to the body. And these are hurting Daniel. It's a bit blurry, but you can see his face is in pain. Lovely, long time. Now he's going up to the head, you know, making him think of that. And then comes down to the body. The hands come up to block the head. Now he's back down to the body again here. And at this point, DC has really started to slow down. And he can work up high and low. Last one here. We're locking up. Bam! Massive crack to the body from Stipe. And that's it, that's the last body shot, because right after this, the hands are down, the right hand over the top, and he just pulls it on from here and finishes Daniel. And it's easy to look at the early rounds and think, well, maybe he could have done that earlier on. You know, DC had such good head movement, and again, was using the John Jones style of hand trapping and then working over the top. But it was a great adjustment for Stipe, and to, to realize that shot was open, and once it was there, to be able to consistently land it and then find new ways to set it up amongst the hand traps and also threaten with the lead hook up high as well it was just a great adjustment from Stipe all right well I hope you enjoyed this one guys let me know in the comments what you want to see next from this kind of a series there's a lot of things that we could talk about I want to give a shout out to Luke who edited this whole video as well definitely made it more comprehensive for you guys at home to enjoy give him some love on his social media at cool to me underscore he deserves it he's all right isn't he I think he's a dick also all you channel champions at home thank you very much here you are some support and appreciation is always welcome from you guys Thank you. If you want to join them, there's a link down below. You can click the join button. There's a bunch of benefits for becoming a member over here. But shout out to you guys for supporting the content. If you want to see more from us, obviously you can subscribe if you're new here and you aren't subscribed. But also a thumbs up is always appreciated. But I'll see you next time. I know Luke's going to put that in. <laughs>